You're listening to The Tech Box. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of The Tech Box. My name is James Honeyball and I'm joined by David Rich. Good evening, Dave. How are you doing? Good evening, James. I'm okay. Thank you very much. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good. It's a uh... We're in sort of balmy weather here. It's just a bit humid and uh, sticky now, and the the sun is going down. But uh, it's been a pleasant weekend uh, weather-wise, isn't it? Yeah, thirty-five degrees all round. However, it has been too windy for my drone. So, uh, regardless of the nice weather, I still haven't managed to take that up. Ah, that is annoying. So you're basically grounded. I am. I am, which is quite convenient, really, because it's getting the motivation to go and do it. Uh, again, another wise tech purchase. But uh, we're speaking today, but we did actually speak yesterday, didn't we? We did. We, we in, in Well, there was there was grunting, there was moaning. There was grunting and moaning. And there was a slow down, please, James, going on. There was a lot <laughs> of that. Uh, I suppose we should reveal the exact context uh, in which that occurred. So um, you are, I think we both do running, but I think we probably both do running for different reasons and for to different extents, but you were on quite a a huge run yesterday for 50 kilometers yeah my first ever ultra marathon so i've done a few marathons before and i've done i did one earlier this year as well in march but then covid hit so um i sort of spent the time between march and now sort of working on my distance and and breaking my my uh, leg through overtraining but that's here and there we 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 joined each other, didn't we? Uh, mm. I think you joined me at mile twenty six and a half or twenty seven, something like that. That's it, because essentially you'd already done an entire marathon. But the the course itself was essentially a lap of Reading, yeah, and um, it got pretty close to my house, and then pretty much went on a, a route that was pretty close to my normal run route. So I joined you not too far away from my house and sort of stayed with you for the final few miles where uh, I was probably just about able to keep up with you because I think you'd already ran a marathon at that point and were probably fairly knackered. <laughs> I was, uh, it was an interesting point, actually, to be fair, because I, I put in a good mile at mile 27 with you, you spurred me on, but I don't know whether that had a negative effect on the remainder of what was left in my legs. Because uh-huh. I, there must have been like a 0.0% gradient all the way to the end, and that felt like I was climbing Everest. Um but we, but we got there, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, I was worried that by joining you, I was going to somehow wreck your run, either mostly by slowing you down in one way or another, which uh, I probably did. But um, it was good fun anyway. It was good to see you in uh, real life rather than just uh, on the end of a uh, a podcast microphone. And uh, I did notice that you were equipped with a fairly decent stash of tech. Um, my tech is pretty much limited to some wireless headphones that I have and I use my Apple Watch to track my runs and I'll listen to some podcasts or some music on my phone but that very much is the limit of my tech but you seem to have like uh, a few more bits and bobs going on you seem to have like the bone conducting earphones and stuff like that. Yeah so tech wise everything that went wrong could have practically gone wrong so I I have an old so I'm an iPhone user I think we all are aware of that. Um so I had the Apple Watch on. Um I've still got the Series 4. I'm waiting out for the Series 6, but I had the Apple Watch on. Um I loaded some music onto that so I didn't have to be reliant on the phone streaming it and the phone okay. battery. So I put some podcasts on there or on a bit of Apple Music. I had the, I've got the Aftershocks Air, the bone conducting headphones, so they sort of sit on your temples and they vibrate through. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not the best quality and it's certainly not what you'd want to listen to for music, but in terms of the voice and podcasts, it's great and plus you don't get run over. So I had them. That is um, a bonus, yeah. Yeah, it, it's always helpful. You can hear people riding by on bicycles telling you to get a life and all sorts at the same time. It's brilliant. I had... A, I've got a Garmin 735 XT. So it's an older Garmin uh, from about 2016, but it does the navigation as well. So you can put the routes on. So I wasn't reliant on the different signs and the signposts on the route. Oh, that's interesting. So if you'd have, um, or if I'd have led you astray down the wrong path, 
it would have beeped at you and told you you've gone off route. Yeah, so some of the more modern ones um, have the full mapping and stuff. What mine has is you load in the GPX, so it's basically just a normal Strava mapping or anything like that, and um, it does overlay the route, but you just don't get the pretty map behind, but you don't need that, so it's got you as an arrow on a position. Okay, so it won't maybe alert you, but if you glance down at your watch, you can see if you're off the track. Well, yes, and it does alert you. So when I come up to a corner, it'll tell me left in 120 feet and then count down to zero and then go left again. Oh, that is actually pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, so it's more like a sat-nav for your wrist, really. So you don't actually need the, the, the mapping that these new fancier ones have because you're not really looking at the map. It's just like putting a Google Maps route in and you just follow the arrow on the on the track. Um, but you can also have other screens up. So you can have... Um, I've I, I, I've put a watch screen on, so I've got my pace, um, my my mile my mile pace. I've got total distance. I've got my heart rate. I've got my cadence, and I think I've got a couple of other metrics on there. So I've got all that displaying, and then when I come up to a corner, it will tell me left or right and give me a countdown as well. So I've literally got everything all on the one screen. It's uh, it's quite handy. Yeah, that's um, cool. So um, I had I have the Garmin and I have the Apple Watch, and for the very reason that the the Apple Watch the battery just doesn't last, unfortunately. I've tried using before I sort of got into the full marathon length. I used to have an app on there. Can't remember the name of it, but it it did very similar. So it put the map on it. You could load the GPX file in, but it fired off the lovely Apple Watch screen all the time with proper mapping and GPS, and it killed it in about two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's why I went for the. Um, the uh, the Garmin, but yesterday I tried to listen to the music off the watch, and that failed for some strange reason. It, it was not playing the music off the watch. Um, it would stream it over the cellular connection because it was a cellular Apple Watch, but that would have drained the battery too fast. And what I like to yeah. do is I like to I like to have both on if that makes sense. I know it sounds silly, but I, I always like to do a tech comparison. How long will the Apple Watch last versus the Garmin? Now, I know the Garmin can go for days because it's a triathlon one, so it's got different events and things built in. Um, but I think the Gar- the Apple Watch packed in at about four hours, 15 minutes of running, uh, whereas the Garmin was down to about 50%. So both with GPS tracking on. Um, yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think that shows you where the specialist device comes in and, uh, you know, takes over versus the sort of every man device of the Apple Watch, which is, you know, four hours is fine, I guess. You know, most people are only running for uh, an hour tops, aren't they? I I would think. Yeah, and, and, and the Apple Watch was my perfect introduction to running. I used to use it with the Nike Plus app. Um, so the, yeah, the Nike Plus, the Nike Training Run app. I used to use it with that. Put courses on there. Have guided runs. So a, a forty-minute guided run by Mo Farah. Obviously, he didn't guide you around, but he motivated you in your ears and stuff. So I used to I used to use all that. But it was the first marathon that I, I sort of it sort of started not lasting in my training sessions. So I knew I sort of had to go for the Garmin as much as I sort of wanted to stick with Apple. Mm. Um, I did also carry a Android phone on me, so just an old P Smart 2019 from Huawei, um, because they they make you carry a phone on you anyway, just just in case it's part of the sort of mandatory kit list. But um, also, I usually stream my music and podcast from there because it's a nice backup, which is what I'd really, which is what I did on the on the day. To be fair, I, I so went, why wouldn't you take your iPhone then what made what what advantage does the P Smart have other than if it drops in a puddle and you stamp on it it's not such a disaster that's pretty much it that's 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 pretty much it i i just throw it in sort of so i've got a um a salmon sort of running distance pack it's got pouches on it for some water storage in the back so like a camel back it's got a tube in and then i've got other pouches for other stuff for other water bottles and things so it can sort of be really self-sufficient but the android phone is just handy i can just put it in there i can make a call but also it's it's not as clunky as the apple watch the apple watch is fine if you're wearing airpods i've found um but i don't like to wear the airpods when i've run because i've had them fail with sweat before Mm. And I'm using the aftershocks, and I don't know the. It just like I said, I I, I turned up yesterday and tried to play, stream music that I downloaded previously onto the Apple Watch, so I knew it was there on the onboard storage, yet it wouldn't play. 
So the Apple Watch does funny things like that. It really does. It does. I've I've struggled getting um, music and podcasts onto the Apple Watch before, and I've I've given up a, a lot of times because uh, yeah. you, it tries to do it intelligently behind your back, doesn't it? So yeah. forcing it is difficult. It, the sort of general approach it is is um, don't worry when you want the music and the podcast on your watch, they'll be there. You know. Don't worry, just plug in overnight and we'll sort sort all that out for you. And um, when that works, it's fantastic. Uh, but when it doesn't work and you've tried to force it for the last hour, it gets a bit frustrating. Yeah, it, and, and it was a perfect example of when push came to shove and I was on that starting line and I, tried, and I was messing around trying to get it to work. It just didn't. I just connected the aftershocks to the phone and... Uh, and I was away, but I also uh, I streamed my live location, didn't I, to you chaps in the um, yes in another, the Telegram group. That was another good application of tech. So uh, I during the mornings, obviously, uh, you started really early, sort of what was it, seven o'clock or half seven or something? I think it was quarter quarter to eight. So you know, knocking That's on a, a bit, but yeah, early for still you. early for me <laughs> uh, on a Saturday morning. And um, you had the uh, GPS tracker on so that we could see you throughout the morning i kept glancing at it and i kept thinking well if i'm gonna you know either meet him at the finish or or you know go out and see him at some point then uh i, I need to keep keeping an eye on his location then i saw you getting quite close and i thought oh well okay i'll just go out for a run and uh, i might end up bumping into you and then because i could keep checking for your location i could sort of stalk you and uh and uh, bump into you did you notice me straight away or, or were you in too much in the zone I when I don't so I noticed you when you called my name. I don't know how far you were with me before that, um, but yeah, when you when you called my name, I, I saw you. It, it was a it was a pleasant surprise, James. It was it was nice. I was at, I was at that point where it just tipped over the marathon point, and uh, yeah, everything started to fail after that. I didn't I don't know the longest I'd ever run before that was twenty eight miles. So uh, thirty I think it was thirty one point two or something. We ended up running, but. Um, that's when everything started to fail really um it was in new ter- new territory that is that's crazy that's a crazy amount of length but how are you feeling uh, this morning are you fully uh, is your did your body recharge as quickly as your tech peripherals so i feel like i've been hit by a bus yeah, certain, certainly in my back and my leg you know when i said oh my good leg's gone it, it's yeah. pretty yeah it's gone it's uh, <laughs> it's not weight bearing at the moment so it's very painful but um, it's coming back so over the course of the day um, it's the the one hiccup on the Huawei. So I was listening away to ATP, the nice podcast and stuff, and it's been doing this funny thing, and I don't know why, but it seems to wake itself up and think I'm trying to input my code passcode. Oh right, yeah. All of a sudden, it stopped playing. So I'm pulling it out. I'm still trying to run, etc. I'm not stopping, and I'm looking at it, and I don't know whether it's the sweat off my body that's caused this because it is pretty sweaty when it comes out. It's on like a it's on like a pouch just on my sort of the side of my body. Um, but because it's think that I've, I've spent the last ten minutes trying to enter a passcode, it locks me out for twenty minutes. Mm. Literally, it said try again in twenty minutes. I was like, ah, okay then. That's uh, me with no sound for twenty minutes. And uh, to be fair, I didn't listen to a thing after that because. Uh, I was listening to the birds when I wasn't. But you're, you're lucky you didn't have the sort of iPhone style, if you have 10 bad <laughs> yeah. login attempts, then nuke the whole thing. Just erases my phone while I'm running. It's like, oh, brilliant. That's great. And yeah. that, again, that's another that's another reason to have the Garmin because they generally they are solid devices. There's not a lot to go wrong. They do one job. Obviously, if their servers get hacked, then you can't upload your stuff. <laughs> However... Yeah. Um, the Garmin is rock solid. It, it it doesn't skip a beat. It doesn't crash. It, it's like uh, it's like binary code on the space shuttle or something. It's pure, just, just hard works. coded. Yeah, just no mess up on that whatsoever. Well, you're lucky that the Garmin uh, services got hacked and were brought back to life probably hours before you were uh, kicking off. Really. Yeah, we still had the trouble syncing though, didn't we? Because we uh, we we sat down at the end and uh, had a had a beverage, and um, it, it still wasn't syncing, was it? Straight away, it did eventually sync, but yeah, I think you were you were sort of starting to sweat a little bit at that point. Yeah, I was not losing that run, James. I was literally yeah. going to go and to the dig the laptop out and do it manually at that point. <laughs> but 
I know it was a it was an experience, and it was uh, it was nice to see you, uh, Mr. Litchfield. I was expecting him there with a banner or two, being in Reading. But we we passed his um passed his photo test spot though, didn't we? As you pointed yeah, out, the Aviation Museum that was uh, on the route. Yeah, absolutely. You should make a tour, James, a Reading tour. Yeah, I could do that, couldn't I? And it, to be honest, it would probably be the route that you ran. Mm. I think that covered most of Reading, to be honest, or certainly most of the. Uh, uh, the outer rim of Reading. I don't think you went through the centre at all, did you? No, but I tell you what, we I don't know where I ran to start with, but the parks were covered in beer cans and stuff. I don't know whether they had a rave the night before, but um, yeah, I, I, I like that. That's disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know where I was, but I'm guessing it was a, it was early on a Saturday morning and the uh, street cleaners hadn't come out yet, but. Um, Throwing rubbish in the park, yeah. If that's yeah. not it's, it's not a tech subject, but if there's one thing that makes me furiously mad, it's people littering. It's just so unnecessary, mm. especially things like cans and and stuff and wrappers. That you know, how hard is it to take your litter home and put it in the bin? Oh, there were that. there were bins there, James. I almost stopped to pick things up, but then realised oh. where I was. So it's uh, absolutely infuriating. So yeah, not a tech subject, but. It probably gets me more angry than any uh, tech uh, problem that I uh, run into. But uh, anyway, on to happier things. And uh, just as uh, Apple announced that they're moving their silicon from uh, <laughs> Intel to ARM, you made the sensible decision to invest heavily in a uh, Intel MacBook. Yeah, so I don't know whether it was sensible or not. So I, I, I got the 16-inch. So I did originally order a 13-inch, didn't I? I placed an order for the 13-inch. Which is the which was the new uh, yeah. fixed fixed keyboard, uh, decent revision of the Intel CPU. Yeah, kind of like the ideal Intel MacBook for a few weeks whilst they hadn't uh, announced the Apple Silicon. Yeah, well, I specced that out with 32 gig of RAM, the terabyte drive and the... Uh, top end processor, but it just seemed to be weeks for it to in for to come. So I, then I was umming and ahhing, and then I ended up buying a sixteen inch instead. Which, to be fair, on paper seems like a good idea. Idea. I mean, the realities aren't probably what what you think they would be. But uh, so I don't talk know. us through it because I think that even uh, though I would probably fancy the thirteen inch more. That 16-inch is still an amazing device. It's such a um, such a lot of tech for the money. You've got you've got the fixed keyboard on it. You've got a beautiful 16-inch screen. Uh, pretty thin, although big. Um, it's a lovely device, isn't it? It it is. So it is nice. I'll, well, I don't know. I'm I'm, in mi- I'm mixed about it, James. Okay, I'm presumably you're sat in front of it at the moment. I am. I'm sat in front of it, and the fans are at three and a half thousand RPMs. So okay, they're that's not, interesting. They're not idling, and all I'm doing is recording a podcast. I do think it might have been the wiser move of the two because I don't think they're going to bother changing this processor in this 16-inch for a 10th no. gen or anything like. That. I think this is it for the last 16-inch that Intel version that they'll make. So I think it might have been a wise decision in terms of that and longevity. But don't get me wrong, it's a nice it's a nice machine. Six core i7 in there, so 12 threads, 16 gig of RAM. I'd have maybe liked to have gone to 32, but it just the economics of it, you're looking at ridiculous money if you start to sit, uh, put 16, more than 30, well, more than 16 in there. Um, on the 13-inch, it was justifiable because you're starting off at a lower base, but because this is so high anyway... Um, it would. I'd have needed to mortgage something to get that. Um, dedicated graphics, yeah, does make a massive difference. Nice keyboard, sound is lovely. Uh, nice mics, screens beautiful. It's just so blooming big, though, James. That is the problem. Mm. That is the problem. I've got a 2012 Mac, 13 inch MacBook Pro here that I got off Richard. And I tell you what, I'll pick that up any day, of the, any day of the week. And it's got an SSD in it and uh, 16 gig of RAM. And it's, uh, I, I don't know, equally as fast in my eyes for what I'm using it for. And it doesn't heat my lap like um, like a, a nuclear submarine or something. It's uh, it's interesting it's, that you've got the you got the heat and the fans going on it. I would have, uh, I would, I'm surprised about that. I would have thought it would it would have kept itself uh, cool without having to get the fans going too much so here's the problem i've got an external monitor plugged in as well i'll give it that okay because i've got the recording interface over on one screen and i've got the notes up on the laptop screen the problem is 
immediately whenever you plug in an external uh, machine uh, uh, monitor there is no there is no connection from the onboard graphics to the to the monitor output it's wired straight into the dedicated gpu right. so immediately so you've, got that, you've always got that going immediately as soon as you plug in the monitor it fires that up and that's what it needs to cool because i've got this uh, little utility that i run that allows me to change between the integrated or the the discrete but it also notifies you of when it is changing as well and immediately as soon as you plug it in it it locks itself to that um dedicated graphics card simply because there's it's literally not wired in to the to the intel one on the chip for some strange reason you you can't even force it with this app and you can force this app to use the integrated on most things so that's that's why people complain about the fans because if you stick it into a lot of people use them as desktop replacements don't they so they'll mm. shut the shut the lid put it into a nice dock plug it into a nice big 4k monitor or something and immediately the fans come on to cool that processor because not only have you got it plugged into the external display you've now gone and shut it into clamshell mode so it hasn't even got that sort of keyboard space to vent through right okay so, so that's what you've got it in, in clamshell mode as well I haven't got it in clamshell mode, no, and it's still, each fan is at 3,500 RPM, and it's sat idling at 70 degrees. So you got to, you need to ask yourself, does it need to be at 3,500 RPM if it's only at 68 degrees? Mm. So, mm. Fascinating. But uh, overall, it, it must be a beast, and you must be fairly happy with it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would like to use it more and find reason to use it. Um, but it, it it is a beast, and there's five years worth here for me easily. Yeah. I can't. See, I mean, I know they're dropping support for it, but the Intel, the the top end machines, I think the Mac Pro, and hopefully this machine is going to be the last to sort of go if they do go. And then what you're looking at, I don't know. They're still still selling it, and you always get three operating systems from the point of sale. Yeah. So I I also think that you know we all recognise that the iPad Pro is phenomenal at rendering web pages or on a single application running it in the foreground kind of way um how that scales to feeding sort of top-end laptops and you know top-end desktops like the mac pro i i, I uh I wait to see you know as, as everyone does but you know i'm sure that they will go for the easy options when they release their first Apple Silicon, i.e. they'll target that sort of 12-inch MacBook, the MacBook Air, maybe the Mac Mini. Those are the kind of areas that they'll target first, surely, um, before working their way up the range. That's that's my expectation, but, you know, we'll all see at the end of the year. Because they've the interesting thing is that they have committed. They announced that they're moving to ARM. They've also committed to starting that this year, so we should expect... Uh, a MacBook or a, a Mac Mini or something, uh, Mac OS this year that's running on the ARM processor. That's interesting. There, it's rumored to be the 13-inch MacBook Pro, isn't it? That's going ARM first, but but I've also heard rumors maybe an, a new MacBook coming. Mm. It would. That's make what s- I would love. Yeah, it would make sense because they they were they were always thermally constrained with the chips anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want to know my theory on that was that, you know, that they've made the, obviously the 15 inch MacBook Pro they made into the 16 inch, which is what you've got. Yeah. What I hope is that this rumor that they said, oh, they're doing the 13 inch Mac Pro first is what they're, it's a sort of a a 13 inch MacBook that uh, will pop out because that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Maybe the 12 inch, but with the, obviously with the new screen style where it's edge to edge giving you 13. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, would you be up for one of them, would you, James? I would be definitely up for one of them. First-gen Apple Silicon? Yeah, but what I have to say is um, I have that original 12-inch MacBook, which due to my use cases, I don't push the envelope of that CPU, really. Mm. So the CPU's fine. You know, you could tell it's a bit weedy, but it doesn't really... I don't ever feel it's holding me back too much. And I just hardly ever use it because it's just so, so much more convenient just to use my iPad. I've got the smart keyboard and... You know, whenever I want to just browse the web or something, I just grab that. Just so so much quicker. I I had that twelve inch uh, when they first came out, and yeah, I I was I was never constrained by the performance at all. It was always more than good enough for me. I like to think of myself as a heavy user, which is why I spec that thirteen inch MacBook Pro up with thirty two gig of RAM and terabyte drive. Yeah, I did that because I do like to run virtual machines, but. 
day to day do I use it that much to warrant that? No, I'll run the odd copy of Windows and the odd copy of Linux. And if I was wanting to do something a bit more full full on, I'd probably virtualize them on a on a desktop somewhere absolutely, else in the house. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the good thing about virtual machines is they they can be run anywhere, so you don't need to run them on your local laptop. No, and even even on that basis, it would be easy to to virtualize them in the cloud and maybe pay ten pound a month versus the cost of um, dedicated hardware for yeah, them. That, so, I mean, that'd be an interesting route to take as well. I don't know if any of those cloud suppliers are uh, geared up for home levels of use because I wouldn't want to spend a whole lot of money on a on a little um, on a hobby like that. But um, if there was some super cheap plans, I'd be up for it. There's a gaming company, I can't remember the name, I think there was a Linus Teptis video on it a couple of weeks ago, but they provided, it was like £15 a month, and they provided you with a pretty meaty desktop in, uh, computer experience, so you could, it basically, you run your games on their server, and you could play it on any client machine, but you could come out, they had a nice fancy front end on it, so it was just like a, a games console selecting your games, but you could come out of that and actually access a desktop windows desktop so theoretically you then had a nice windows desktop machine with a big beefy graphics card and a nice number of cores and a hefty gig amount of ram and i think they were interesting isn't it yeah they were trying to sell the benefits of their service being very low response time and stuff with gaming so you can imagine the connection to and from would be quite sort of fast it might be it might be doable as a normal desktop experience that would be cool that would be cool Hmm. okay and I, 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 because I uh, saw you in real life yesterday, I got to see your other uh, new Apple edition, which is uh, the iPhone SE. Yeah, it's a strange one, that isn't it? It's a strange one because I had the I had the Pro Max, didn't I? The eleven Pro Max, and which I, I think get... is probably the best phone out there by most people's reckoning. Yeah, and I got rid of it in uh, March. It will be now, and. Yeah, there was part of me that was like, I'll probably get the, I'll get the 12 when it comes out. I'll just get as much as I can now for the 11 Pro Max, even though we're talking March, April time. But um, I actually really like the SE. I really do. And I'm, I'm sort of in two minds. I know everyone will say, oh, no, you're not. You just get the 12. But I am in two minds of whether to bother, you know, because I've got this phone. It doesn't owe me a lot of money. I don't use a case on it because of that. It's nice. It's red. It's small. I can pick it up. It does the look fin- nice, I have to vouch for that. It does look very nice. The fingerprint reader is is really good. I, I, don't get me wrong, I love Face ID. Face ID is equally as convenient for me. I could use Face ID, but I can, actually can also use Touch ID. It's quite quite simple. There is no, It's as quick to me, so it, it's not really a barrier to entry. Um, and I even bought Apple Care on it. I think it was £69 for the two-year Apple Care. So if I smash the screen, £29 to pay, and they'll replace it. I just... It's 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 got everything inside it realistically that I would need a phone for. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm. it's like getting a new phone or an eleven or something. It's yeah, you're getting a nice screen. Don't get me. I'm not naive enough to think, oh yeah, it's a lovely screen. But I've got other big screen devices. I've got a 16 inch MacBook Pro. If I want to dig out and do anything properly on, um, I don't know. I was all I found myself using my mobile phone for was Telegram and YouTube, and I've got other YouTube devices to do that on. And it's equally as good for Telegram. And I think you sort of get used to the size of the screen. I think you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when if if you were to pick it up and use it, you'd be like, oh, this is a tiny screen. But give it a week and, you know, it shows me the information I need to see. And well, I use a iPhone 8 as my work phone. Yep. Yeah. It's so, just the same, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much identical. Um, uh, except the SE's got a newer uh, CPU and the iPhone 8 has got, um, force touch on the screen and the uh, the SE hasn't but those, I think those are pretty much the only differences mm. uh, everything else is pretty much identical and I do like it it's very nice but it's um, it's not quite an iPhone 11 Pro or, no, or it, even it, an iPhone 11 just in terms of um, I like to have I, I kind of quite like a high screen to body ratio when I'm looking at my phones these days and whilst the iPhone 8 slash se has got a beautiful lcd screen um i just feel it'd be nicer if it was slightly bigger compared to the frame of the phone but then you have got a slightly smaller frame compared to the uh compared to the 11 pro so yeah i i can totally understand it but for me i'm like um 
now I have the 11 Pro, I, I, I wouldn't like you have any motivation to uh, to trade down to the uh, to the 8 or the, the SE. But I think the interesting thing will be when the 12 comes out and you've got this yep. even better screen to body ratio, which is what they're uh, rumoring. You've got the iPhone 4 classic design that they have on the um the new ipad pros with the sort of slightly boxier sides and back you got uh your 120 hertz promotion screen you got uh your full depth sensor and uh you know triple camera on the back you know are you, are you sure you're not going to be tempted in i mean i know it's all hypothetical at this point but so it, the screen does date it. The bezels date it. I'll give it that. But I'm not comparing it to anything on a daily basis. That's the thing. Um, what I, I would see, I've, I'm at that. I'm getting old, James. I think this is the problem. I'm getting old, and I would ask myself the question of what am I gaining from from it? What what am I actually getting? Because the camera on here is really nice. Um, it takes. I won't say exceptional pictures, but it takes a quality of picture that is more than adequate for me taking pictures of the children. They're, they're nice. The in the video. day, in the day, yeah. you're not going to notice a difference. No, but and I try to have the children in bed on a night, so you know I'm not going out raving either at the moment. Okay, <laughs> for the for the for the next ten or so years. Um, so during the day, the the camera is fine. It it does 4K video. I've got 36,000 photos in i in the you know in Apple Photos in the, in the cloud, and they're all of the kids. So for taking pictures of children and having that reference point in the future, it's perfectly fine. I'm not saying this is the phone that's going to last me five years because, you know, new technology and it will date. But we'll, I've just I've just got it. We'll compare it to a 12, which will have a new generation of processor. Yep. Yeah. Um, it'll have a nicer screen. Yep. Yeah. But that is it. Well, no, obviously it's going to have a nice camera as well. It, it will be a nicer phone. I'm talking myself into it here. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not naive to think that it's not a nicer phone. However, can I make can I make do with what I've already got without having to change it? And the chances are I probably will be able to, if that makes sense. Unless there's a killer feature where it'll only work with Apple glasses or something, and then I'm straight in. No questions asked. <laughs> well, that was one of the other rumours that came out recently, wasn't it? That, yeah. Um, they're going to release the Apple glasses this year, which seems a bit early, doesn't it? I would be straight on that, James, straight away. Really? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, one of the things, one of the one of my lockdown purchases was the uh, Oculus. Let me get this right. Quest. Mm. Did you get one in the end? I didn't, but I've used the Samsung Gear VR and yeah. the Oculus stuff. That I the reason I think you didn't gel with that, and the same for Mark, is because then it's not something you will use all the time. It's not on you it's not enhancing the jobs that you already do you have to yeah. go out of your way and say right okay well i've got a spare hour here let me go put it on and do the x but if it yeah. incorporates itself into your life workflow so to speak then i think the benefit would be there if that makes sense yeah but this so you're you're thinking of um apple glasses being essentially this exactly the same proposition as the google glasses i.e you're wearing them 100% of the time. They've got it's got a little screen built in that uh, provides additional information, a bit like Google Lens and you know translation between languages and all this kind of stuff. I, I can't see myself using that day to day. I mean, it'd be, I can see it being, I can see it getting exactly the same amount of use as my uh, Oculus Quest, which is on the first day. But did you think about that when you got the Apple Watch though? Did you jump on board with the first Apple Watch? Uh, let me think what I thought when the first Apple Watch came out. I suppose we'd already had smart watches, hadn't we? Mm. Um, of a sort. And one of my favourite watches was an old Casio databank watch. And I, I really tried to make that my, you know, this was like, what, you know, 1985 kind of time, you know, or 1986. It was, you know, early but you remember those old casio date oh yes they were lovely and, yeah and you try and this one my favorite one was the one with the all uh dot matrix display because a lot of them had them uh just dot matrix on the top line this one was all dot matrix so you could really go to town with um calendar entries and you know using a uh, putting your, your uh, address book in there and all the rest of it so 
you know, I was fully invested in that and I wore it and I, I enjoyed wearing it. Then I went through a long period of just not wearing a watch at all. And I thought that the biggest barrier for me to getting the Apple Watch was just that I'm not a watch person. Um, and what I use the Apple Watch for now is tracking my runs, telling the time and the occasional notification, which I probably would have predicted early on. I would have thought that that would have been a decent enough use case. It's, it's probably a bit of an expensive uh, smartwatch if you're just using it for that, which is what I use it for. I So I jumped in at the Series Zero. I think I pre-ordered it and then waited around for it. And I didn't really know what to... Do you remember the whole digital touch thing where you used to send hearts and all that stuff? So yeah. No, I, I think, never I never had one at that point. I think the only person, I, other person I knew who had that at the time was Nick Robinson. So yeah. I used to send him silly pictures and he used to send me silly pictures and stuff like that. And that was about as good as it got. But admittedly at that time I thought I got rid of it after about six or seven months because I don't wear I don't wear it to work because I can't wear it for work um so I I take it off so purely the I I then jumped back in at the series three and I've had the series three and series four for the last few years now three three or so but it, it is purely fitness for me because again I don't wear it for work but I'll wear it to work I'll take it off I'll go into work I'll come out and I'll put it back on. And yeah. you might say to yourself, that is an absolute balmy use case for it. And no one ever calls me. I get the odd message when I'm out on a run, but it's purely for the fitness tracking that I don't... And, and Apple Pay. I could not be without it. I don't pick my wallet up anymore. I put the Apple Watch on. It's my wallet. I just use my iPhone for the Apple Pay. I, don't, I haven't set the... F- I think I did set my previous watch up. I'm not even sure if I've set this watch up for it, to be honest. I don't, I can't remember what the shortcut is. Is it? Yeah, I've tried it there. It says no cards. So yeah, I haven't um, set up my uh, Apple Pay on it. But I suppose the thing is, it looks like everyone knows what it is and they know that it's just a watch. I think the glasses, unless they look completely indistinguishable from a normal pair of glasses, there's always going to be questions raised. A bit like the... Um, the whole Google Glass, you know, don't, you know, you, you're a bit of a creep if you wear it because you could potentially be filming people. I know that they're saying that they're not going to put a camera on these um, Apple glasses, but then, you know, that limits the utilizer, you know, limits what you can do with it. I just, I can't imagine a use case where it would really compel me. But I suppose, you know, uh, I I sit there waiting to be wowed. And I'm sure that uh, Apple will do a good job in persuading me that this is the next thing that I need even the, th- the other thing is even though I think I probably do need glasses these days <laughs> I don't wear glasses so I don't know would I wear them without lenses at all they're just with the sort of like glass lenses well that's the thing see I, I wear contacts but when I'm at home I wear glasses so for me the transition wouldn't be that that massive yeah. if they looked normal um I, I foresee what six or seven years time. I don't think it'll be a fad. I think they'll do a very good job of communicating what it can and can't do, and that it doesn't video and its privacy. And there'll be you, you'll be able to style them up like you can the watch. So realistically, while everyone's watch is the same, they do look slightly different, and you can personalize it. Um, and I, t- I tell you one thing: I, I've had I had the eleven Pro Max, didn't I? And I actually quite like having a smaller device now so i don't think i would ever go as large as the pro max again and if i could stay on a small device and have uh, apple glass so i didn't actually need to use the the, the device all the time then it's a win-win for me to be honest well it could work know. out for you couldn't it because they're rumoring a 5.4 inch smaller yes iphone yeah. this year so yeah you could be getting that plus your uh, apple glasses could be a great so, combo so the bent right, okay, I, I get. So it's a smaller screen. There's less information, but my feeling about the small screen coming from a really large phone is, it's easier to handle and manipulate. And mm. you don't, you, I don't use a case with it because I feel it's not gonna. If it hits the floor, it's not gonna, you know, be that heavy that it's gonna start an earthquake or something. Do, do you know what I mean? Just the very fact that I can handle it with one hand. In all of gives you a bit more confidence that you're not going to drop it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. which is silly, really, because the the same net result would probably happen if I had the larger one. But I just feel more confident in the fact that it's smaller. I've got that; it's a better grip on it, and it does look lovely in red. So, Mm. if I went for an eleven, an iPhone eleven, or something of the six point one inch size, 
I think I'd have to maybe use a case because if I did drop it, there would be more weight behind it. And I don't know, it would feel like I'd be more likely to drop it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And this is going to be, you know, as all new iPhones are, they're going to be beautifully um, constructed and, you know, a beautifully constructed Apple phone hitting concrete doesn't bear thinking about. No. You, I, I, I had a little case in a way. You saw my case, didn't you, James? It was like a, a sheath for my uh, holster. Not Steve Litchfield holster. like a sock, really. Yeah. Yeah, I used to I used to like it with the iPhone 4 and it sort of still fits my new SE. So it does poke out a little bit, but it's nice. No, it's um, it's cool. And I think um, it's a good combo that means you can have it uh, naked when needed and still very quickly slip it in and out of uh, well, you, a sock. I would call it a case, but I think so- we should just call it a sock. So I had that um I had that exact sock when the iPhone 5 was released and I was in a Weatherspoons pub god forbid and it was like 4 weeks after it came first came out and I went to slide it into the sock and I missed the <laughs> sock and it fell out of my hand onto the lovely Weatherspoons floor and took a huge chunk out of the corner of the iPhone 5. Oh no. Yes, I was I was I, I, I'm surprised that because I would have thought that like a Weatherspoon pub, it would have had a lot of sticky carpet to sort of gunge itself into and not uh, hit anything too uh, too hard or stone-like. No, so that was the point. The iPhone 5, when that happened, that I went full-on screen protector and case from that point on. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think it was until the iPhone 8 that I came back out of that phase. Oh, well, that's, that's another thing that we can blame Weather, Weatherspoons for as well, which is good. Um, so I thought I probably have to give a little bit of a update on my KVM. So mm. last time I was chatting with Richard about the uh, new monitor that I'd got that uh, was a 1440 monitor, but it had like high refresh rate and HDR and all the rest of it. And my um, passing through my KVM, it wasn't really working. So I updated the KVM to the uh, a newer model. Uh, which has got uh, 4K 60 hertz support. Didn't suggest that it was going to support 144 hertz uh, on a lower resolution. It didn't suggest it was going to support HDR or anything like that. But I'm happy to report that it supports everything. So um, I'm running my monitor now at uh, 144 hertz with um, you know deep color and HDR at full resolution. None of this sort of you know, flipping between 1080 and 1440 and all the rest of it. So yeah, happy end to the story. Just a uh, a KVM update uh, did the business for that. What uh, what what two devices are you switching it between? Uh, I'm actually switching it between four devices. Hmm. So do you want me to list them off? Go on, indulge me. So uh, the first one is a Mac Mini. Okay. Which is what I'm using at the moment. Uh, the next one is a window, Windows PC, my kind of gaming PC, if you want to call it that. I didn't know you were a gamer, James. Not really, but uh, uh, yeah, just a Windows PC, really. <laughs> but it's the main, it's uh, the Mac Mini is in obviously a little tiny uh, miniaturized box and the uh, normal PC is in a big sort of PC tower. The third one is uh, my work laptop so that I can uh, use my desk and... Uh, uh, keyboard and monitors on my work laptop now that we're in uh, lockdown mode that's very useful uh, and I've got like a little dock uh, that my surface laptop can plug into and uh, utilize my both my monitors I should say so I've actually got two KVMs uh, for both monitors one's a DVI KVM and one's a DisplayPort KVM uh, and then the fourth entry uh, is normally free and just sort of dangling on the carpet and um I did have that plugged into my Raspberry Pi uh, for the last couple of weeks whilst I was uh, sorting out um, RetroPie on there, which I don't mm. know if you've uh, played about with. I uh, I set one up a couple of months ago for a good friend of mine. I loaded it up with about a million games and sent it off in the post to him. So, yeah, I am very familiar with the RetroPie. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I yeah, it is really good actually. To be fair, um, he got he got one of the new the new Raspberry Pis, the Pi Fours, okay, uh, and a hundred. I think it was a hundred twenty eight gigabyte SD card that we put in it, and I literally must have put like eight hundred of every system on there, eight hundred games of every system on there, and uh, we hooked it up to a PlayStation Four pad, and it plays. Oh nice. yeah, nice, yeah. 
Uh, what I found was that it emulates, well, mine's a Pi 3. Mm, yeah, uh, that's a three, yeah. 3B, which is kind of a classic um, yeah. Raspberry Pi, really. Um, and it emulates the SNES, the Mega Drive, the PC Engine, the Neo Geo, all really well. Uh, pretty, you know, I'm sure there are differences, you know, they're, none of these emulators are 100%, but it's pretty, pretty convincing. And the, the scrolling and the movement is all smooth and um exactly as it would be on the on the uh, original console as far as my eyes can see um but apparently it, it can't go too much further than that so um the n64 uh there's certain games that work better than others uh, on the 3b i think the 4 uh, raspberry pi 4 might be a bit better at that but certainly it's not going to emulate too much more than um the sort of the 2d consoles no, so I I think I got I got PlayStation on there, PlayStation One. Yeah, I think PlayStation um, One's okay. And I did do N sixty four as well, and GameCube. Do I got GameCube on it as well? Oh wow, how did that run? They they seem to play fine on the four. I mean, when I did it a couple of months ago, the four wasn't officially supported, but the uh, RetroPie worked fine on it. To be fair, I didn't really have any issues whatsoever. So yeah, it's really good. And I got some uh, because I've got all of these retro consoles the mini consoles, I've got all of the official controllers in USB uh, form. So I can just plug those controllers straight into the uh, Raspberry Pi and um, play the game, play multiple games on the Raspberry Pi via um, what's a close to very authentic um, control pad. Yeah, it's really good. I've, uh, I have I actually hoard the original games consoles, James. I think... I know. I've got six GameCubes now because I'm frightened they might... I do like playing the GameCube and I don't want them to fail. Um, I've got an original Xbox, Xbox 360, uh, N64, uh, normal PlayStation. It, it was just easier to buy the old ones, to be fair. Yeah. On the I've, the GameCube, I've, I've sort of fallen down... One of the rabbit holes on um, YouTube that I've fallen down is um, retro gaming and uh, setting the consoles up for play for the best uh, picture ever exactly yes probably uh, on the same channel i'm down on there yeah yeah so let's let's explore this then so <laughs> on your uh gamecube how are you playing that are you playing that on a crt or are you getting a digital output on it or, or what does it look like so back in 2018 i did go on a crt hunt and i managed to get five crts so I, okay. I, I do have five. So I do have an original CRT here because the rest are in storage. Um, however, so I'm assuming. Are... I mean, assuming you're not looking past the Sony Trinitron uh, for the CRT. No, no. So my it, it's just a box. I think it's a bog standard Toshiba with a built-in VCR on it. Um, oh my god, that sounds horrendous. It is, but I'm not using that at the moment because, again, the wife would absolutely kill me. So they're just plugged in composite into a Samsung uh, HDTV. I do have a... Uh, so it has composite anyway. You don't mean so composite, I, dude. You mean component? Component. Yeah, I'll get over that. Yep, component. Um, I do have a HD upscaler. Okay, um, nice. But they're not as good as just plugging it in via component. And I know that's not the best picture, but now you can get all these... Um, GCHD and things like that, where they plug into the um, some they they managed to basically the digital output port on the GameCube um, for so long the cable for it uh, that oh that's that right yeah it, it was it's cost it was hundreds of rare, pounds yeah but yeah. they've they've managed to um, figure out the the wiring for it and how yes. the chip codes it yes so you, this you, is one of the YouTube yeah. videos that I was. Yeah watching quite recently actually so you you can you can do it to them all now you can do it to the n64 as well they have all the you can literally just hd them all up now and i did go down that rabbit hole like i said i've got a couple of upscalers and i went and got the crt and i went down that rabbit hole and for the amount of time i played them and i just plugged them into the component (laughs) so yeah I've, i've gone full circle Although I remember uh, getting the Wii and plugging that in via uh, component, and it looked uh, absolutely fine. You know, it looked quite quite nice. Yeah. Um, so, so the Wii is actually the best way to play the GameCube games because it um, it, it upscales to seven twenty p. So the original ones have the uh, GameCube game controllers, and they accept the discs. And I've got I've got one of those as well. So if you put the games into there, the actual because the Wii supports seven twenty p HD out. 
Um, it, it automatically upscales them, so it's probably the best way to play the GameCube games, to be fair, ah. the cheapest. Um, yeah, that is a rabbit hole. <laughs> once, I was, once I was looking at these, I did kind of think that I could, because I sold all of my old consoles and um, had a mixture of the UK ones and the US ones. The US ones were always better because they ran at 60 hertz full screen rather than yeah. um, the UK 50 hertz uh, with the borders. So, yeah, I kind of thought, well, maybe I should go and rebuy, you know, a set of original uh, hardware. But then I kind of think about it and I think, well, yeah, I, I do quite like pootling about playing the games for an hour or so here and there, but I'm not a heavy gamer. And I think like you, I would spend an inordinate amount of time, money and effort getting these original consoles and, and getting them specced and getting a, a proper CRT to sit with them. And then um, I would play them so rarely that I think that's the beauty of this uh, using a, a Raspberry Pi is that you can emulate a lot of the systems pretty damn well and they play pretty pretty well you know and they're pretty it's pretty responsive i don't notice a huge amount of input lag or anything on uh, that raspberry pi so yeah i think that's the i think that's the route that i'm going to stick with although i do uh doesn't stop me spending hours watching these youtube videos of people soldering new um yes bits of uh, hardware <laughs> and you know video controllers and plugs and all the rest of it into their old uh consoles it does look like quite a good hobby the frame meister is a is a big one that they all go on about yes um, have you I got think, one? No, they're they're like four hundred pounds. It's crazy. I I, yeah. I I I spent a stupid amount of money buying one, and I bought like over the course of a year something like seventy five N sixty four games, and uh, I regretted that because I played. Yeah. I, just, I didn't even play one of them. So <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> you know, I can imagine. Yeah, no, I think um, I really reg- you know there's there's every now and again you have one or two bits of tech that you sell or move on that you regret. And of course, one of the ones that I regret, so I had a, a, a 21 inch Sony Trinitron uh, TV. It was, it was a really basic uh, feature wise, but the tube, the actual CRT bit was absolutely brilliant. Um, and you plugged in an RGB 60 hertz um, snares or something into that. And it looked pin sharp, absolutely beautiful picture, super colorful, not blurry at all. Um, and, you know, in buying my first uh flat panel uh tv whenever it whenever that was i traded in that uh sony crt and i got 50 quid for it which at the time was a ridiculously large amount of money for what was a basically a completely useless crt tv but thinking back back about it now that was probably the perfect crt to play retro consoles on Everyone would want that now. You'd make a yeah. you'd make a, fill, a, a killing out of it. Everyone always plays on those old security monitors as well. Those old mm. CCTV because apparently they are the best that you can yeah. get. They're yeah. like professional standard, ridiculously high quality screen. Yeah. So I think we've um, that's a good place to end it. You know, going down a uh, a rabbit hole of particularly obscure tech and a particularly obscure area of uh, of hobbyism. But uh, it's been really good catching up with you, uh, Dave, and uh, hopefully speak soon. Definitely. I'll see you on the next one, James. Cool. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.